Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, the podcast for parents of young children. And we want to share your stories and all those crazy, contradictory feelings that come with being a parent. We believe in you. You got this, even on the craziest of days. And you are most definitely not alone. Hey, listeners. The host of this podcast wants you to celebrate the messiness of life with kids. That means we don't need an expert to explain our kids to us. We just need to sit back so we can truly see, hear, and love our kids. My family has been lucky enough to attend B'nai Torah, where Karen's enthusiasm and joy for all aspects of parenting has been a breath of fresh air and always gives us hope that we can do it. Karen Deerwester believes that when we see, hear, and love the messy moments of life with kids, we're able to give our children everything they need. Karen has been a teacher, author, and a leader in early childhood education for decades, and there is nothing, nothing that doesn't make sense if we take time to connect with each child exactly where they are, and right where we are with all of our messiness too. Here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is Raising Mentally Strong Children. We have a very open-ended conversation today talking about raising children who feel secure through uncertainty, through all the questions and doubts that they feel and their parents feel. I looked back over the many messages I've had with the moms at today's square table, and the thread revolves around raising mentally strong kids, kids who are resilient, who are not thrown off by messy feelings and confusing experiences. These are the children who will grow and thrive with deep emotional intelligence. So today, we will talk about anxiety and joy, pressure and perfection, confidence and vulnerability, and all the contradictions of being the parent you want to be for your child. I'm at the square table today with Trisha Feldman and Danielle Malky. Trisha, we can go anywhere you want with this conversation, but what do you want for your children, and when and where does that get complicated? Oh, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be back on the show. Um, I don't even know where to begin, so I will uh, start making notes uh, as furiously as possible. Where do we even begin? Um, you know, obviously, I want for my children to feel as safe and secure in their daily existences as possible. Um, you know, we're coming on the heels of, you know, uh, a national synagogue a synagogue mm-hmm. shooting just less than a week ago. Our children attend a Jewish school. Um, we live in a community where there was violence in South Florida. Violence, yes, less than uh, just about nine months ago, uh, the MSB shooting. And I guess I'll begin by saying, so uh, at the time of the shooting in February in Parkland, uh, my son was just shy of four and a half. And, um, you know, with Danielle's daughters that day, uh, he was on lockdown at his school which uh, another Jewish school, which was about a mile away from the site of the shooting. Um, and so for maybe the first few weeks, I really tried to shield him from the full-blown specifics of everything, tried to you know, expose him to as much in, um, at a pace that I thought he could handle. And we know he's... Tuned in, attentive, questioning, and deep thinking. Yes, very deep thinking. Um, It was actually uh, a month following the shooting um, 
when on Saturday, March 24th, when we had the um, March for Our Lives. And my husband, who's a Douglas alum, who's very involved in the alumni planning aspects of the walk, uh, that's when we actually started to expose him to more and more of what happened. And we even allowed him to watch um, uh, the television to see what was going on in Washington and around the country that day. Um, I will say, uh, this has actually been on my mind, um, a group that we're both Danielle and I are part of locally in Parkland hosted a wonderful event yesterday, um, a card-making event for the community and, and, you know, the victims and obviously the community of Tree of Life. Um, but it was something that I uh, conscientiously abstained from because I have not spoken to Jack about what happened last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Do you think that you did that because of, do you think that you haven't spoken to him about it because you feel like maybe you wish you hadn't given him all the truth yes. about what happened at Douglas because the thought that comes to my mind really yes. is like where do we draw the line between yes. giving young children or any children at any age the truths of these situations versus saving their young innocence and the whole ignorance is bliss topic which I wish we could save forever in right. their little minds. Okay, I, thank you. This is Danielle. Tell us, yeah. Tell us how you have been managing information for your children? So for me, and I'll be completely honest, um, I myself have a lot of anxiety and um, tend to worry, and I think even more so now than ever based on what's been happening in the world. I find my mind immediately running to worst case scenario, even when um, it may not be realistic, um, or maybe it is, but I shouldn't be wasting the precious moments of life constantly worrying about what could be happening and so I find it very difficult um, deciding what truths to tell the girls because I see them as these lovely innocent um, ignorant minds um, I don't even know if ignorant is the right word, but you know what I'm saying? It has a positive connotation. They, yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they don't know what's going on, and then I okay. wish that for them. I, right. I need to jump in, um, but I want to ask one more question before I give a perspective, my perspective. Um, and that is, how have they processed, in your estimation, what they have heard and seen over the last year? So they were... How old were they last February? How old are they okay, now? Okay, so Jack was four was four yeah, at the time already. My were, girls were not yet four. Right, they, they were shy of birthday, birthday, So my yes. girls were three and a half. Um, and just to put it out there, and I don't know if this has anything to do with the way I am about the girls, I do think it does. They were born very premature. Anna and Julia were born at 28 weeks. And I find myself constantly um, feeling maybe a little bit more overprotective. Um, but I don't necessarily know because that's all I know. So I don't know if I would be an overprotective mom with the term babies or not, but I do feel like even more so I'm very protective and I just want to shield them from anything even remotely dangerous. But I also know that that is not realistic. This this is such a wonderful topic. It's, It's an important topic for the current moment, but it's also, as Rabbi Steinhardt did a video this week, it's also indicative of life. Mm-hmm. Um, what he had said is all of the fear, the sadness, the anger, the uncertainty that we've come face to face with this week, um, in all of its horror, um, 
is 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 sadly the most extreme version, but it's also part of life. And and as of, of any faith, but particularly he was saying of the Jewish faith, it means holding on to some hope, holding on to some belief in the power of community, the power of action, the power of our ability to respond in whatever that means. I can say wholeheartedly that is absolutely the cornerstone of all parenting. From way back when, everyone has always said, believing that you are up for the task of parenting is the cornerstone of parenting success. So that means self-care, emotional resilience, emotional intelligence becomes our primary goal and foundation so that we have it to give. Where we find it is different at different times. Um, for ourselves, but I, I, it absolutely is the mantra of this podcast. You are not alone. You know, when you feel isolated and separated, connection must be, whether it's connection, to, it is. Go ahead, you had a thought. Um, my thought is also that I think it's really important to, to state, and most of us know this at this point, that at such a very young age, our children sense within Everything. us yes. the times when we're feeling strong and confident and the times that we're feeling anxious and insecure. And so when it comes to what type of children do we want to raise, um, it's, it's a challenge for us because we have to, in these anxious moments, sometimes portray no. uh, stronger than we are no. or show them our vulnerability and let them know that it's okay to feel those ways. I love I love the way you have both framed our conversation. And that is, what can kids handle? What? How much truth right. can we expose them to? And what you had just said is that, I mean, and I always say, right brains read right brains. We know they are reading our emotions even when we are in denial. When, when you are putting forward fake strength, they're going to push buttons. They're going to ex escalate behavior. They are going to find out why is there this ambiguity coming from my parents, coming from teachers, coming from the people, the grown-ups that I trust and love. And yeah. so the answer to how much truth do we expose them for, to? We expose them to truth. Now, how do we frame that truth right. is the ultimate developmental question. And that is universal. It is, we, we give them what they can manage. We give them the skills to manage what they either randomly, accidentally, or purposefully bump up against. None of us believe that we can manage the horrors of life. Trish, you know the friends that were on the cancer podcast. Yes. Everyone on that podcast says, I didn't know we could do it. None of us believe we have the skills, the strength, or, or the courage or the bravery to live in the hor horrible parts of life. It is amazing what you are capable of doing when you have, when yeah. you have to. And so when life presents us with these things, how will we manage, take care of ourselves first and then figure out what our children need. The most universal question is, and that is being present, and that is being very tuned in to what they're telling us. So you start with small truths. 
Right. You and 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 the, and I have to give uh, everybody needs to go back and listen to the podcast with Dr. Aaron Gottesfeld called "Living in a Worrisome World," and that was done after the Vegas shootings, and and she had such. She's a mom, and she was so good and a therapist at being able to say, "I knew." that this amount of information was too much for me and I had to turn it off because I am now in flooding. Now I am in chaos. Now I am in complete unraveling. And so right. being Letting aware. yourself be aware, but knowing your limits and knowing how to self-care yes. in the moments where you do that. And I think that's something super important to be teaching our kids. Um, you know, like if we sense that they're feeling anxious, I think it's so important that we encourage them to talk about it yeah. and not hold it in and let them know that they don't need to feel embarrassed or scared or sad or anything, that whatever they're feeling in that moment is okay and not to hold it in, I think is a crucial, crucial part of not raising um anxious kids not that we can prevent it but that they feel comfortable expressing what they're feeling and 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 i'm not a therapist of course but i'm only here as a as an educator and a developmental person but anxiety is is a response to something that feels out of control and so so much with children is in terms of self-management executive function when how do we get our upper brain to manage the fight and flight part of our brain is we all have to be aware of fight and flight triggers. So when we're feeling it, we go, oh, yeah, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Let's go for a walk. And and, and I just want to just because we're all over talkers at the table. We, we, I, don't, I just met you, Danielle. <laughs> yes, but but so, so we don't always have to talk about it, but we have to acknowledge it, you know, and say, whoa, we need a break from this. Whoa, we need, we need to shift perspective. We need to flip the script. So it, it's, it's because we might not be ready to talk about it in the moment and, and children may not have words. You know, one of my big things is, is, is that we have that old cliche in early childhood, use your words. And it's like, you know, sometimes I can't find my words. Yes. Sometimes I have to get to my calm and my peace yes. before I can process it and talk about it because words involve so much cognition. And the reason I love early childhood is because I don't always have to be rational and I don't always have to be the best thinker. I can be in touch with my body soul, mind, and heart. And so that's my recommendation. So first, I think when we think about anxiety is watch for fight or flight moments in yourselves and in your children. And you know when they're unraveling, you know, and that, and that, and that, and and with kids, it's not always the big stuff. You know, I always say with kids, it's, we don't have to know all the whys. We don't have to look for the, did something happen at school? Did someone, did you see too much news? Did you, did you, you know, we, we go to overanalyzing, overthinking. And I always think, think of that thing, halt, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, start with basic needs. You know, sometimes it's just, okay, let's just, let's just halt, you know? And, and of course with Shabbat and, and, and I've been on this whole kick, pause and be present, pause and be present. So where do we just, when in doubt, instead of going into hyperaction and hyperthinking, just pause and connect. It makes so much sense, too, with the young minds that are growing at such a rate. I notice in my own that I sometimes have to remind them, like, let's think about it. Are we hungry? Did we eat enough? Because most times it is that. 
and it's not anything really more complex than that. And and there are because and so that takes me to that other thing, the word that you threw out, that is so precious to me, and it's innocence. But here's what I want to say: it's from my perspective, if we truly believe in child development, if we truly believe that children think, feel. In ways that that, that that they are full persons, whether they are three months old or three years old, we can't change that innocence. Childhood gives them a childhood filter because developmentally they cannot experience the world like a miniature adult. They are not us. They do not see or know or connect the dots or sequence of events. They don't even have concepts of time. And even kindergartners, second graders, their logic is still very different than our logic. So they're in, they, they hold their innocence no matter what. So there is a sense where we, we can just check in and see what do they understand? What is being processed? Is it too much? And then we just pull back. It's okay to just keep walking that balance beam of too little, too much, and trusting in them that they will tell us what they need. Yes, I I agree with everything you've both been saying. I, you know, uh, Danielle and I, in the aftermath of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting, we would talk about this a lot, and we would talk about our own need to detach and pull back from the barrage of information that was engulfing us um, for our children's sake. The unique situation that that was that I, I think is distinguished from most other events is it was, it hit our home and everyone who our kids interact with on a daily basis was connected almost direct, uh, really directly. I mean, even if, Indirectly, everyone, everyone knew someone and everyone was affected living in this community. So I feel like in, in a way to be fair to them, we had to expose them to some truths about it. Just by, I mean, by the fact to, to even offer up ready explanations when, when warranted for why they were locked in bathrooms for two hours. So let their me teachers. have you answer your own question with hindsight and then we'll come to the current questions. How did they manage what they experienced you've got they've been to marches they know that there were security guards at their school mm -hmm. they go through metal detectors how through their eyes do they hold on to safety to joy to love in a world where there have been adjustments to keeping them safe how what pieces of media have you had to put in boxes so that it's not overwhelming or that it's not age inappropriate? And where, I mean, I want to, I want to find that balance between innocent trust and truth. I mean, I, at least for myself, we're very cognizant of, of making sure that, you know, the news is on only very, very minimally when both of our children are Does around. Jack ask questions? Jack does ask questions. Um, Jack asks during Passover why the Egyptians were persecuting the Jewish people. Now, Jack is also very, he's cognizant of the security that he sees at both schools. And, and certainly here at B'nai Torah, there's 
physically, markedly more obvious security. But with the most recent, you know, tragedy um, at Tree of Life, I think with Tread Very Lightly, we're dealing with four and five-year-old children and obviously younger in our community who this is their home away from home. And it was very specifically a Jewish, Jewish target. A target. Okay, and, wait, I have two things yeah. I, I need to say. Um, first of all, in terms of the magnitude of Tree of Life, right. we know developmentally children don't even understand that death is irreversible. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. what we know of the mag- magnitude of that horror, they can only see through a peephole. So there is a disconnect with that abstraction and that reality that they will only know through children's eyes. Um, And so when we go to Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers, look for the safety, the idea that the bottom line message with children is always, you are safe, protected, loved, cared for, always. You know, when four and five-year-olds developmentally start asking questions about death, which they will universally, mm-hmm. um, they're going to say things like, will you die? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to be blatant and, and oh, blunt, sure. but, 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 but the reality for them is they just want to know they're always going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And they are making this projection in this very developmental concept. But what you also just said, and if without knowing, again, I always hate it when people say, I didn't know I had to be a psychologist to raise children. But what I know is that children will always lead us to what they need. And Jack bringing up those Egyptians (laughs) is the universal, just listen to their questions. They will take you to what they need. And what do I know about the whole iceberg of that question? Children need stories about good and bad. Children Mm -hmm. need stories about the good people be winning. They need stories and they need myths and they need, they need content that says, and they need the mythology behind Mm -hmm. life is going to be okay for me and for everyone I love. And there is justice and fairness. Do we all know it and believe it? As you said earlier, Danielle, I can get carried away on on things that are not, don't believe everything you think, you know, but it's that idea we have to give ours, we have to also surround ourselves with the stories that sustain us emotionally, the people that build us up. And and so we really do want to pay attention to the stories and the truths that we are teaching. Those are the values. Those are the connections that will that will hold them. You know, last week we did the podcast the podcast on raising Jewish children, what it meant to be a Jewish family. Do you teach them what you believe? What if you don't believe? What if you have doubts? The bottom line is what do you want them to know and believe about the world, knowing that what sticks is theirs to choose what sticks. Mm-hmm. So you you teach yourself, you teach from your own heart. You love, if you believe, if you have a political cause, you take them if you want to share that with you. you and, and then it all becomes, it goes through that childhood filter. And I just really, in my heart of hearts, soul of souls, know that it's all going to be okay. Maybe not, there's going to be horror, tragedy, and sadness, but 
there will be a better world for your children. And we are shaping it. But we must, we will shape it. We will shape it for what they need to manage whatever is, whatever will be. Well, I think, and that goes back to the initial question is how do you want to raise your children to deal with all of these issues? And I think that keeping it simple eventually can help when we talk about good versus bad and how we want them to be and treat others and hope that everybody else is teaching those same things. And essentially you want the kids to be good, be good to each other and teach them that that's the way to be. But let's go to emotional intelligence and let's go to emotional resilience because what happens is everybody won't teach the same. Right. And we are right. going to come into conflict right. with people that disagree and maybe hold different values than our ultimate truths. Now, hopefully we all share some common values and common truths, but, but reality is we can still teach And what happens when somebody teaches their child something different than what we're teaching in our home? And and how do we teach children through conflict? And that is the the challenge. But that is the cornerstone of this. Will I resolve an anxiety, dissolve an anxiety and say, I can't control it. The world is a mess. Those haters are taking over. The bullies in that classroom, the children who've been taught by parents um, to hate but underneath it all, I know in my heart of hearts, because I don't want to go to cliches, but it's Mr. Rogers saying, tell me what you fear mm-hmm. to, to the person who is, who is hating. Sit with me and tell me what worries you. Maybe you're not the, you know, there is somebody out there. How do we teach our children some, some life skills? Conflict resolution, conflict management, or just knowing when to walk away. I taught in an inner city school, and I had to say to kids, if you pre-K kids, if you see a gun, get out of the, move away. Don't think you can go and karate chop that gun. You can still give them life skills, and we as the grown-ups are the protectors. I, as you said, our security guard Don has said, I will protect. I will say to children, I am the adult that is here to protect. And I and I promise you that I that we can manage it. And so as the parent, you may say, you know, find somebody with a badge or or find, you know, but or or when somebody does something hurtful, what are our choices of how to respond mm-hmm. when someone does something hurtful, whether it's at a two-year-old level, a three-year-old level, or a grown-up level? Pe- yes, I mean, I think we, the truth is people do hurtful things, and you can come and tell me. Mm-hmm. People do hurtful things. People can be scary. So, and if you get scared, you go to your teacher. You know, it's, there are always, I believe this, as the grown-up in the room, we will always be able to find a response for a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a 10-year-old, a high schooler that says, you can count on me to be the grown-up. Deep breath, and I have a lump in my throat because that's a hard role to be in. And that's, that's not the pretending 
that you, I mean, so there's a whole nother line to walk is, do I have to pretend I'm strong? No, bravery is being brave even when I'm scared. Bravery is saying to your child, I don't know the answer, but I've been on this planet a long time and I'm, and I can help find the answer for us. Embracing the uncertainty that Rabbi Steinhardt was saying, none of us know the right answer to violence and hate in this world. We have pieces of a puzzle that we're all putting together, but it's coming together. And I think that's true for families as well. You don't know. You don't know the answer. You don't have it all, but we can move towards it every day. And, and the Jewish principle is just keep moving forward every day. Just get up and keep doing it. Uh, you know, it, it pops into my head. Uh, two days ago, I helped a, a local friend who's running for a, a local citywide office um, distribute campaign materials near the voting site and had the loveliest time with the grandmother of a young man who's running for a Broward County judgeship and the absolute loveliest woman. And I will just say she was, uh, she was a great campaigner because no one could turn down it. She, she very gingerly approached everyone and said, I want to introduce you to my grandson, hold up his little information. Uh, you know, talk about, you never know what people have lived through. She was, uh, sharing with us during the few hours we were together. Um, she, she actually lives in North Carolina, came down to campaign for her grandson, she happens to live in the very community uh, outside Charlotte that was uh, just affected by gun violence in the high school last week. That is, you know, a local high school that her children and grandchildren attended. And then we were also discussing how she lost one of her young, like early 20-something grandchildren to opioid addiction within the past couple of years. So very heavy, hard truths and, you know, just discussing uh, just the horrors of it, horrors how how, you know, how awful it is that we share this commonality of living, both living in communities that have been recently, you know, marked by violence with young people, blah, blah, blah. But yes, um, ultimately, that, that was the end result of all the conversation we were having. Her thoughts were directly echoing and so yours. It's and not just looking for the helpers. It's looking no. for the strong. It's, it's looking, looking for, for the, the survivors. And it's okay to be weak. Yes. It's okay to be confused, and it's okay to cry, and it's okay to feel helpless, and those are real moments. Yeah. We're, not, we're not bypassing any of that. And I don't like that I'm speaking with so much adrenaline because I, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm underlying all this is, is great uncertainty and fear. And, and I wish Rabbi were in this seat. This is when I want the wisdom people to be here. But, and, and we will do more on this. But I, but I really believe that from your story that you just told, Trish, it's, we need to surround, we need to look for those people who inspire us. We yes. need to connect with people that that support the journey. Um, but but my final words, I just want to be: trust your children. They know and can manage not the adult world. They're not supposed to manage our world, but they can manage their world. And, and we can assist them, support them, guide them, help them with those emotional skills, problem-solving skills, self-awareness skills, 
and create rituals and traditions and routines that that make them feel safe, secure, loved. There is there that we every child can have that, and we have that power. That is because you love them too much yeah, right. to not have that. And they are moldable right now, and we can teach them. And I'll just share a yes. proud mommy moment that I had Please. last night. Um, we were reading stories in bed, and the girls were taking turns practicing reading stories to each other. And one of my daughters, uh, Trisha, and I both have exposed the kids to kids' yoga. Yeah. Uh, and I myself don't partake in yoga probably as much as I should, but the kids really enjoy it. Um, and they teach some really important and wonderful practices. And one of my daughters was laying in bed. I didn't even ask her anything, and she literally did, Peace Begins With Me. And I was just so oh, proud. Just to describe what you just did with she your fingers. She took yeah. one, her thumb to one of each of her fingers. Starting and with the pinky. Starting with the pinky and just laid in bed and said, peace begins with me. And I was I so that. proud. <laughs> they remind so us of the simple. Yeah. They remind us to be present to that truth. Yeah. Their truth is different than our truth. Yeah. But it's a beautiful truth. And they know what they need sometimes. They do. They do. <laughs> and so we if we make this about a child truth and an an adult truth and we become a partner and a collaborator with that, it's it works. It really works. There is hope. And it is why I do, I want to uh, this is the world I want to live in is the world of young children because I know that they will teach me. So um, I want to end with how have you got this for right here, for right now, thinking of the question that you you felt in your heart when we opened this podcast that we had no idea where it would go or where it would take us from your opening question to how you've got this, Patricia. You know what? Um, yes, there's life is tremendous uncertainty and upheaval and constant change. Um, I can only say, you know, I'm so blessed to have a very strong family unit and, uh, you know, a strong network of friends and a wonderful community uh, that we're calling home at B'nai Torah. And I, I feel so incredibly thankful that both of my children, this is their place of education. I look forward to them continuing here for Hebrew school and you know what? It takes, it does, I, I, again, I don't want to speak in cliches either. It does take a village. And I don't have every resource to offer them, but I can do everything in my power to find them who and what they need. And the conversations, I mean, you are a connector of all connectors. And the conversations <laughs> that you inspire and promote among us and the questions you bring and the realness that you bring changes the course for all of us. I mean, Trisha just pretty much said almost exactly what I just wrote down, which is um, I think that as a parent, we know our children, we know what they need. And so I always say, trust your gut. And I have found that um, yes. probably 99.9% .9 of the time, my gut has been right. Um, but we alone can't solve every problem. And I think that it's a really important thing to tap into your resources and make yourself um, learn who can help you with what, um, be vocal and, and use your friends for advice and guidance. And as a team, you can all um, find the right answers for, for the questions that we have. All the way to national and global. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to make you guys, because I'm, I mean, I'm, 
feeling real emotional. So I, I want to do um, The Peace Begins With Me oh, as, yeah, as our perfect. closing. So okay. thank okay. you very, very much. Thank you. Together, Peace Begins With Me. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, 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 one more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.